Welcome back, everybody, to the closet with your basic podcast host here, the Centrist Kickers. Um, <clears throat> I just want to start off by saying um, I think I've given a lot of topics some pretty short shrift, um, so I'm going to really do my best over the next few episodes and really the whole however long I'm doing this um, to um, buckle down and, and give give a little more uh, long form nuance to some of the topics because uh, it's usually that's what I'm into as far as how I like to consume content um, but there's just you know I'm new at this obviously and there's just so much going on I'm trying to touch every every topic a little bit and that's um, like I said it, it devalues them as topics when you just sort of gloss over them including the um, few episodes back when I did the podcast review episode um, where I'm just going over all the podcasts I listen to and how I use them as my to inform me about politics and culture and when you know the, na the nation at large you know what's in the news so I you know even those I gave fairly short shrift I mean I could have probably talked about each of those shows for you know a good 30 40 minutes but I was just trying to get through them all and um, so those but you know that show, that episode, I suppose, will be a reference. I mean, I'm going to be referencing the podcast, all those podcasts, and probably a few more um, that I that I listen to in a future episodes. As far as where I'm getting information, I'll try to give them credit. Um, <laughs> and I'm not good at providing links down below or anything like that just yet. <clears throat> but I will definitely name the podcast and give give my sources their credit because you know I'm not <laughs> I'm not out in the field doing any real reporting or or breaking stories. Obviously, I don't have any contacts anywhere outside of my family and my work, which is not connected to the political sphere at all. So, um, <clears throat> anyways, I'm just going to try to do better on that front. Um, you know, and I'm, I've been thinking about this, doing this stuff a lot. So I've been also wanting to dink around on GarageBand, see if I can get some better intro music to import in here, um, and outro music or something, something to make this a little more, I mean, it's not going to be a sophisticated production probably at any point, but, um, because I'm sort of committed to doing this in my closet. Something about it's just comfortable. I feel like some sort of ham radio operator or something, you know, like <laughs> broadcasting dissident, dissidents on the airwaves. Um, anyways, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, I guess that's just sort of a vague promise to sort of improve and be a little more focused. So, uh, And in that vein, uh, today we're going to talk about the Democrats and the Republicans and why I don't consider myself one of them, obviously. I uh, consider myself a centrist, and I'm going to try to make that a more, not a party, not a group, not a movement, but just a position you can take, not a, spe not a specific position, uh, but just recognizing that we're in the middle somewhere and the parties are, you know, too far to my left or right. But to do that, we're going to, well, what brought it on, I was listening to the PBS NewsHour, actually, and they had on a Pew researcher who, who has a 16-question survey uh, that you can take on pbsnewshour.org, or wait, pbs.org slash newshour, and you can scroll down and you'll find the quiz. I took it, and I'm laughing because I finished the 16-question quiz, and it can't give me any results. It keeps saying loading quiz, loading quiz, loading quiz. I've taken it twice now to try to get the results, and it's not giving me the results. And I'd love to think that this is because I somehow broke their quiz, <laughs> that that I'm truly some sort of centrist that they couldn't categorize or something, but obviously that's probably not the case. It's, I don't know what what the issue is, but either way, it's, it make, makes me laugh. 
Um, but in the interview, uh, this Pew researcher and, you know, Pew, you know, they're fairly renowned as a research center. They do lots of good polling. So, I mean, they're not some hack organization. Um, <clears throat> she was talking about how they, over the course of the survey or oh, the survey split people into nine different categories, four on the Republican side, four on the Democratic side, and then one in the middle. And I was disappointed when she described it in the middle as the sideliners. These were people who were just simply not all that interested in politics. Now, that, that's certainly a group that exists, but um, I was hoping she'd say it was 50%. It's all the people in the middle. And I'm like, no. And inst instead, she categorized the middle as people who just don't participate in politics or don't care. And like I said, I obviously I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I didn't care. Um, and I certainly would love to think that I broke this quiz and I'm not anywhere on any of her categories because I'm not I don't see myself as a Republican. I don't see myself as a Democrat. I know there are different. And the whole point of her quiz was there's different coalitions within these two broader categories, Republican and Democrat. But I I still don't see myself fitting into either one of those. Now, granted, you don't have to perfectly fit. I mean, I could use a lot of different words to sort of describe describe where I'm at politically, I suppose, but I just, you know, I've settled on the one. I'm just a centrist. I'm not a moderate. I'm a centrist. Um, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a progressive Democrat. I'm not a conservative faith and flag Republican. I'm not, um, you know, it's, I just, none of these labels fit me and, and to just keep it simple. I'm just the centrist shit kicker for it in your basic podcast. So, so anyways, um, yeah, the quiz will still not load my results. I still find that funny. But we're just gonna roll on um, and just talk about talk about these two parties and why I don't feel I fit into either of them, I guess. And I'm gonna give a little what I understand as their party's history. Um, the Democrats, oddly enough, you know, were uh, I guess originally called the Democratic Republicans. They started as a, the Thomas Jefferson Party, uh, or at least he was a part of them. And and usually, I don't know if the Republicans obviously didn't exist until the time of Lincoln. Um, but that's where the Democrats started and, you know, which is, and, and obviously the Democrats eventually became, uh, the Dixie Democrats, um, which were the, uh, Southern states that, uh, seceded from the union and they were the, <coughs> the, uh, the Confederates. Um, so that's an odd place to start. I know back in the revolutionary times, like all everyone, I mean, the articles of confederation were originally that we weren't going to be these United States with a federal government. We were going to be like essentially the European union union um, is kind of the more modern way to describe it. We were going to be individual States that operated with their own sovereignty. And, you know, we'd just have these treaties, um, you know, uh, that would, you know, give it, make us some sort of, you know, United state front against other foreign powers. Um, but to me, that sounds an awful lot like what ha what led to like World War One. If you ever <laughs> listened to or what was going on in Europe during that time with uh, the royal families and things like that, and these you know problematic treaties that they all signed with each other, that I think eventually it would have ripped up, we would have ripped apart into war at some point uh, with the Articles of Confederation. But that was the popular view back then: is if you were if you were a Virginian, you were a Virginian; if you were a New Yorker, you were a New Yorker. The state, not the stupid city. Um, if you were any one of the original 13 colonies, I mean, that was your nation, so to speak. That was where you, uh, your loyalty truly was because there was no other place to place that loyalty. So anyways, Jeff Jefferson, um, he was the, you know, the leader of the Democratic Republicans, the, the, the beginning, the beginning of the Democratic Party. And, um, it seemed like most of them were, uh, 
most of his, the people loyal to that party were of the slaveholding states. Now, they were opposed by uh, the other party at the time, which were the Federalists. And I guess the Democratic, I don't know, I don't know if, so I'm getting cross, cross. I don't know if the Democratic Republicans were born from the anti-Federalists, which is um, something you don't, we don't hear a lot about. We hear a lot about the Federalist Papers with Alexander Hamilton and uh, James Madison writing the, the Federalist Papers, which are really interesting and should be required reading in history classes uh, or p political science classes or whatever. But I read a, well, it was a Great Courses book, but audio book, I suppose. I listened to of the Great Courses and they went over the anti-Federalist arguments and I found them pretty damn fascinating. Uh, and Very prescient, actually, about they really had a good bead on, frankly, where we were going to end up and we're there today. I mean, their arguments about the, the largesse of federal government and things like that uh, might have seemed paranoid back in the day, but, and I'm sure people will still say they're paranoid today uh, because I don't know, people just have this wild faith in, in large government, which I just don't. I, I'm always skeptical of people in power, large bodies of people in power. I mean, when have we not had a reason to be afraid of political parties or royalty or, you know, uh, anyways, uh, so the anti-federalist arguments are very interesting. I don't know if they turned into the Democratic Party under Jefferson. I'm not sure if that's happened, if that's the history of it. So um, just call me ignorant, I guess. Um, but it is, um, but it is, you know, obvious that these Dixie Democrats morphed into Dixiecrats, which morphed into the Confederate, you know, the Confederacy, which seceded from the Union. So, um, and obviously at that time, the Federalists, I guess they kind of went away. They became, I'm sure there's all sorts of different parties in, in American political history, but eventually there were the Whigs and then the Republicans came out and they, uh, they distinguished themselves by being very, um, uh, abolitionist, um, pro abolition of slavery. Um, obviously Lincoln, kind of the figurehead or the, the, you know, he won under the Democrat or the Republican ticket, I should say, um, and so that was the birth of the Republican Party. So, but obviously the Republicans, the party, they absorbed whatever dying party there was, you know, that preceded them, the Whigs, I'm assuming, and many others, um, you know, because when a winning party in politics is, you know, just like Trump is today, it will just, it just sucks up everything else into it. Uh, even your reluctant members like, well, if I got to be a part of this party to win, I'll, I'll do it. And I just got political opportunism at its finest, right? If you're a popular movement, the people are going to latch on to you. And that's just anyway. So I'm assuming that's what the Republican was built out of many coalitions, but they were the winning ones. So they're the only one that mattered. Um, the De Democrats rolled on. I mean, they were the pieces of shit that we all know <laughs> through the through the after the Civil War up into like the 60s. Um, and then uh, so there's this supposedly controversial thing called the, you know, the Republican strategy uh, under Nixon that essentially flipped the parties, I guess. So the the Democratic or the left talking line is, and I don't, like I said, I haven't researched this. I've heard people try to debunk it, and but I've also, you know, heard people, you know, tell, tell me what it was, I guess. I've heard both sides, I suppose. And um, anyways, let me just lay it out as little as I understand it real quick. So Nixon had this strategy to appeal to the the Jim Crow South, uh, to appeal to those voters t to get them. He was trying to win. You know, this is what uh, politicians do to win elections. They, you know, do shitty things, uh, you know, to, to, to lie, to appeal to people, and then, you know, <laughs> totally hoodwink them. 
Anyways, he had this strategy to gain the, the racist Southern voter, essentially, the Jim Crow voter, to his side, and it was called the Southern strategy. I'm not sure exactly what was implied. A lot of dog whistles or talk or tough-on-crime talk and things like that, <clears throat> I'm sure, were uh, part of his strategy. But anyways, he won. And then um, the formerly, uh, you know, Blue North, or Red North, I guess, because they were the Republicans, turned blue, and the South turned red. Um, and it's funny because people who say this, well, this didn't really happen. This is a bunch of nonsense. I'm sorry. You, when you look at our current electoral map and you see all the Confederate states red. Now, granted, I'm not saying they're still Confederate states. Okay, they're, We are the United States. I'm not trying to blast these people. They can have their own views. I'm not sure exactly why these days, you know, f you know what, 60 years removed from 1960, you know, um, <clears throat> that... Um, that they're still holding these same beliefs that their grandfather did. I'm just saying, when you look at the electoral map, the Republican side is the old Confederacy side. Uh, I don't think that just happened. I don't think that's, you know, I, just, <laughs> I, just, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think there's something there to that. I think, or, or visually it's so capturing that I'm just a dope and I don't fully understand everything, which, you know, I'm always willing and open to have that be a possibility. Um, so anywho, <clears throat> that's... And that's kind of the brings us up to the present, because for the most part, they haven't changed much since then, which tells you a lot about our parties. Um, you know, when I was a kid, my dad always said that Republicans were for big business and, and the Democrats were, were for the guy, the working guy, the small, the little guy. And to some extent, I think that's true. Um, now, I know that the Republicans, I think they're kind of these days are sort of on their face. Uh, just in the pocket of big business. I think uh, most Democrats are too. I just think a lot of them, you know, front as being for the little guy or the working man or the woman, whatever. Um, uh, not that Republicans can't either. I mean, there's always the argument that, oh, we just, we want to get to the same place. We just have different methods of getting there. Well, that could be true. Um, but we have seems like we've moved very little, and that's the problem I have with both parties. Is like you're not really getting things done. You're not being very transformational, and I understand that sometimes you don't want to transform. I mean, that's the conservative side of me speaking out. Is like sometimes, you know, um, you don't need to uproot the entire system to make some sort of transition trans transformational change. You just need to uh, make the system work better, or you know, plug it in differently, or whatever. I just. Um, that's all very complicated, <clears throat> but, um, and, and you're obviously you came to the wrong place if you're looking for hard and fast solutions to anything, because I think there are very little, but the, they just haven't changed very much as parties. So, um, I know there's different iterations. You have the libertarians had kind of a swell in recent years. I don't know if that's really going to go anywhere, but certainly the idea of libertarianism, uh, essentially that government federal government should be as small as possible as non-interruptive and i had a i used to have a friend who pointed out you know who, who loved to yell at me and call me a big idiot that um that essentially and i think at its end if i think libertarians got their way uh it they would like they love to think of themselves like i would own my property and the government would interfere in my life however they also wouldn't interfere with these massive global conglomerates who have untold power and wealth and influence at their disposal that somehow you think that you're going to be able to protect yourself from them um it kind of would turn i think if libertarians had their way it turned into some capitalist feudalism where 
you would have to essentially worship at the altar of these massive corporations because they're the ones that are going to have the power. Um, and, and I'm not, that doesn't appeal to me because power is always a, a concern of mine, but the, the, the ultimate power of the federal government is they have the power of the gun. And that is a point conservatives make constantly that I do agree with. I mean, that's why as a society, we grant police like, Hey, you get to carry the gun. We want you to uphold the laws, the laws that we all agree, we all agreed upon. Now, granted, I know that's tricky because not everyone agrees with the laws that are on the books. Um, but you know, that's just the price of you living in a democracy, I suppose. Um, you know, get away with as much as you can if that's what you want to do, but realize you're always going to be running up against the law. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, I think you should. I mean, I, I have some anarchic tendencies, but at the same time, laws are laws. And I, I, as someone who's more secular, I have to believe that the law means something. Uh, maybe I'm just an idiot, but I want to live in a society where I know if I'm walking down the street, someone just can't walk up to me and take my crap. Or I guess they could, but at least that I knew it would be a consequence that I recognize that they'd be doing something wrong because I don't have that compunction to go steal from somebody. But um, I know there's lots of people who do. Anyways, um, <clears throat> so I think that's would be the end point for libertarianism is you'd end up in some feudal area. There'd be, you know, private police and all this. But like I said, really what you'd have is private armies. Uh, if any private police are just going to fold when an army rolls up with a Amazon, you know, sticker on the side of them, uh, you're just going to bow out of the way. Um, you know, and <laughs> we all know the, the billionaire is going to be able to laser us from space here in the very near future. <laughs> so, um, I just don't, I understand the desire to limit the federal government because that is, like I said, when you view the federal government as its ultimate powers, it has the gun. Uh, it can't, it has, you know, connection and, and the power to essentially do what it wants. I mean, you're, you're giving the government, you're turning the government into a God with the ultimate power that we all agree that, Hey, this is, this is who we want to hold the power. We elect the people at the controls of this monstrosity. That's, that's the, you know, that's what government's supposed to be. I suppose I don't, I'm very uncomfortable giving that, um, power to corporations. I just am. They already have too much power. I mean, you can make the argument that they're in a control of large swaths of our federal government currently and state governments currently, that they're already running a lot, a large portion of the show, um, here in America. But, you know, um, I guess to just hand them the keys completely is, would be concerning to me. I think the government does provide a roadblock. Now, as much as I already stated, I agree with some sort of, uh, uh, mitigation through federal government against corporations, I, that doesn't mean I want to hand the feds all the power either. I think I do believe in a smaller government. I just believe they should be a sledgehammer brought to bear when necessary to crush out a problem. Um, that's kind of what they're best at. And, you know, not really running things. Um, so th anyways, there's supposed to be a balance there, but there isn't. Um, so Democrats today, I mean, the Republicans had their libertarian rise. There's a lot of pop. I mean, Shapiro says he's more, Ben Shapiro, that is, says he's more of a libertarian type guy um, or has libertarian tendencies, you know, and I, I understand that. There's there's parts of it that I appreciate, but I think it goes too far. And then I think there's just the in-the-pocket Republicans. Um, there's there's these, the supposed populist Republicans. I still don't understand exactly what that means. Uh, I guess that Charlie Kirk you know, talks about how he's a populist Republican and he's basically, he doesn't have any populist tendencies to actually help the middle and working class other than, 
I guess bring bringing as many jobs back here as possibly can and that's all here's a job shut up and go back to your your family and your home because that's what he's also about is your church and family which is you know which is fine you know a job church and family get you through life and you could you know sprinkle a little stoicism you could be a very happy person in that life that's a lot all a lot of people need you know an occasional vacation once a year or so and you know people get through life and and that's it i mean that's we're only here for a short amount of time and that just those few ingredients can actually lead you to a very satisfied and happy life um you know unless you want to you know be one of the big men of history you know i just don't i don't understand what else you need out of life um so i guess i mean to, to a degree that makes sense but at the same time i still feel like you're getting put upon to some degree um uh, politically i think you're getting handed a bill of goods with that sort of promise because there's still a lot of strain and worry and that's completely an, an unnecessary in my eyes and i guess that's where my democratic side starts poking out i feel like that that idea of charlie kirk's um, conservative populism has an appeal to a degree but it's not you know it's not the leave it to beaver joan cleaver sort of happy 50s rose-tinted glasses existence that they painted out they paint it to be it's not uh, there are a lot of, you know, you can have a job and a family and get a vacation once a year and you are struggling in between. Uh, you know, it doesn't take you many emergencies or a few bad decisions. I mean, that's the thing is, are we not supposed to make any bad decisions in life? What if we screw up and we think we're going to make a great investment? We don't and we empty our bank account. Oh, I guess that's just all on us and we need to struggle for 20 years to try to get back on track. Because um, if you get any sort of credit card debt, that's what it can take. It can take decades of your life trying to fix that, you know, and, and during those decades, you, God forbid you had a health crisis or got in a car accident or there was a fire somewhere. I mean, it's just, you can have the ingredients that Charlie Kirk says, and you can, you can be living a very strained existence in between. Um, and so, and that's, that's, you know, like I said, that's where my democratic side comes out. I don't, I don't believe people should be struggling as much as they are when they have those things. If you have a job and that job affords you a home and some health care and enough to have a family, then not only should you be able to have that vacation once or twice a year, maybe, or extend weekends or something, you sh I mean, it, it should just afford you a lot more in this day and age with as much automation and technology as we have. People are out there. We're literally have watching billionaires go to space. And you're telling me I can't have another vacation week? Or you're telling me that I, you know, I essentially have to dedicate an entire paycheck to my rent or my mortgage? You know, I only get one other a month and I'm supposed to save for a house? I mean, I, I don't know. But this is, there's there's definitely a skew in the system where some of this stuff isn't at least subsidized or cheapened. Uh, or, you know, like I said, or, or just free. If I can go just go get my groceries for free and you want to pay me a dollar less an hour, I don't care. I, was, I take that and I'm you know, in a heartbeat. I just, um, I just don't understand why the rich don't do more in this country. And I guess, like I said, that's my progressive, uh, communist side coming out of me, I suppose. I just like, if I, I mean, if I was a billionaire, I wouldn't be buying myself rockets. I wouldn't be trying to conquer the mass agriculture and vaccine industry the way Bill Gates is in some weird, creepy way. I mean, why is this guy, <laughs> why does this guy own essentially the vaccine? And he's into healthcare and our food. Why, why, well, what are you doing? You're not, and has anyone felt a benefit to this other than people in Africa, I suppose, maybe who got vaccinated? Uh, but there's been some horror stories around that too. Another topic I keep hearing about that I haven't researched enough, but 
I just think it's creepy that he wants to do that. How about you just, you know, buy a grocery store and hand out food? I mean, or, or something along those lines. Why don't you just, why don't you fix a damn road? Fix a road, fix a freeway, fix a bridge, um, clean a waterway. Why, don't you, why didn't you buy the electric ferries that we somehow aren't, aren't using here in Washington, to my knowledge? Maybe we are. I could be wrong about that. I'm fairly confident we're not. But why don't you just buy some electric ferries if you care so much about the environment? I, I just, I, there's so many wild and crazy things these people could be doing with their money. And instead, they just sit on it, it seems like. And I guess I'm sure they would laugh in my face and call me an idiot. It's like, you don't understand high finance. You don't understand this and that. I can't just go spend my money. This I can't just do this or that. And I'm like, uh, to some degree, I'm sure there's some truth to that. But not in a degree that makes it real. You know what's real is when you fill a kid's belly with food who's hungry. You know what's real is when you yourself start a program outside of the government or a foundation or something that's, that helps actually... Um, reduce the recidivism rates of criminals or helps people get off drugs. Uh, I just, uh, I, I mean, just turn a couple of lives around. That's all you need to do. Turn a couple of lives around. You know, the conspiracy theory around gays is he's vaccinating people and, and getting them to not have kids because he's so concerned about the environment that, that uh, he thinks depopulating the human, you know, humans on earth will help the environment. And that's why he's giving these vaccines in Africa and things like that as he's, Anyways, that's a conspiracy theory. See, here I am meandering and getting on tangents again. So I guess maybe these arguments and what I've given you the past 10 minutes has shown you why I can't necessarily get on board with any sort of Democratic or Republican Party or really any faction in between. I don't... <laughs> uh, this Pew political quiz is having me start it over again. Um, maybe I did break the quiz. Anyways, I'll, I'll take it again later. Maybe I'll let you know in the next one where I ended up, where they shut, what category they shoved me into. I just don't feel I fit. I don't feel I fit in either the Democratic or Republican Party. Uh, independent, uh, but I don't even know what independent means. And part of the reason I, 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 I'm constantly trying to deconstruct where I'm at. <clears throat> I don't understand the parties as well as maybe I should politically. Maybe they're all hacks. Uh, you know, the, the conservatives want to say the Democrats are all captured by the progressives. Oh, progressives. Well, Let's go on a tangent about them since they're such a big wing of the Democratic Party these days, or at least a coalition that has some power. You know, progressives to go, <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers who Glenn Beck was, but he had this whole thing on progressives that wasn't historically inaccurate uh, as far as I could tell. Um, progressives back in the day were sort of the, the technocrats. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, you know, would have been called a progressive, I suppose, but these are the people who didn't really care too much about democracy because they were the experts, they were the chosen, they were the aristocracy, and they were the ones who felt that they should rule, essentially. Uh, that they understood how to control the masses and that the masses... I mean, they were... These are like a eugenic-type thinking people. They, you know, they were very racist because, you know, race racism was a science back then, which is fucking idiotic. But it was. Um, you know, people... And they would go to, you know, racist doctors and scientists thinking that they knew what they were talking about. And... And they created out of whole cloth a lot of the times um, these, you know, supposed differences and things between the people, which is which is nonsense. And, you know, people like Woodrow Wilson and other progressives bought into this shit because they, you know, there's and these this class of people still exist. They just think they're better than everybody. They think that they know what's what. Now, granted, I don't think that's what progressives are today, but there are roots there. There's roots in progressivism that think we got to make the change because we know better. 
And I think progressive today are all these over-educated, and I know it sounds stupid because the education is, you know, a good thing, I, would all, I will always say. But they're these over-educated who've totally bought into the ideology of education. Like, <laughs> I know that sounds weird. Maybe that doesn't make sense. But they feel like because they've studied subjects, because they've been around enlightened ones, they know better. There's this very religious zealotry to it. Like, we know the truth. And if you're going to go against the truth, then then we're going to have to cast you out or control you in some way. You know, you don't deserve the rights that we have because you're hurting other people by not buying into our truth. And that's where progressives seem to be more today. Not racist at all. I mean, they're they're the most woke among us for the most part, which is fine. It's like I have, there's a place for all that. There is a place in, in our democracy, our vast, diverse democracy for those people. But I am not handing the, just like I won't hand the keys to the corporations as, you know, as a, uh, you know, like libertarians might want to, or hand the keys to the massive federal government, like progressives might want to. I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. Um, I, um, there, we're in a democracy for a reason, and we should try to hold on to that. But people are so focused on on consolidating their power, they don't recognize that the power is supposed to go to the people. Power, <laughs> power to the people, um, and that's really where it should lie. So yeah, I, like I said, I, that, I think as wacky as Glenn Beck was, I mean, he's probably crying right now, but as wacky as Glenn Beck was, I, he did have, he did touch upon some truths, I think, in, in that area where progressives are, were not good people over a hundred years ago. I mean, that's the thing is, it's so much has changed, you know, since then, but at the, <laughs> uh, it's not, you know, trying to connect today's progressives to them is sort of silly. I, I, don't, I mean, like I said, I think there's a, a class of people who, you know, are still have the same views as old progressives. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of rich, racist white people who think that, you know, the races are somehow different based on some cultural, whatever, black backwardness or, you know, um, those ideas I'm sure have changed and evolved over, over the years, but they're still as stupid and as wrong as ever. And they, I'm sure there's, there's those, this, those same people still think that they have some right to rule or make decisions because they're just, they're the betters. They're the royalty. Uh, there's, there's a very sick human, uh, tendency to do that across all humanity as far as I could tell I mean you could go straight back to Mao I mean Mao himself thought he was some better you know Hitler thought he was better all these narcissist tendencies crop up in people and for whatever reason there's like there's these lowly narcissists who aren't who are just regular schlubs who have narcissistic tendencies but then there's when these people who actually have power and influence and are, are you know um, adored and lavished upon by society and when they develop narcissistic tendencies it's pretty dangerous <laughs> you know um anywho oh, that's my alarm anywho um uh so i don't know if that really covers the democrats and the republicans all that well but here we are um they have they've you know started in very different places to where they are now but where they are now is essentially business allies, and that's about it. <laughs> um, I guess I, I and the other part uh, that oh, let me go to that Instagram page. One that made me think about doing this episode is not only that Pew poll, which still hasn't given me the results, um, but there's also a meme I stumbled across on Instagram of all places. <clears throat> by this creator creator i don't know she's 
is Sonia under slash, under dash, I should say, Orlu. And she has this meme about the free, think free thinker and she trademarked this, which I think is interesting. And the meme is essentially a, a dig at free thinkers. Um, <clears throat> uh, and I'm not going to go into read it because she trademarked it. If you want to look it up, like I said, her name is Sonia under dash Orlu. I don't know if that's what you call that, where the dash is on the bottom, you know, on the underline. And then Orlu, O-R-L-U. Um, and it's it's a dig at free thinking because free thinkers quickly, be, you know, go into groupthink. Um, and I... Uh, which I agree with. I think, you know, but that's the thing is once you label something and create a group, like oh, we're free thinkers over here. Oh, are you? <laughs> uh, you immediately will start group thinking as free, even if you consider yourself a free thinker. Uh, and so just like our, our uh, uh, you know, they say the, uh, the uh, proud boys or whatever started some sort of joke group, you know, men's rights sort of group. And then, but once you become a group, you know, there's people of that group who are going to go, you know, in a completely different direction. You know, people who will hijack the group or, or steer the group and, you know, away from its original founding, you know, uh, doc documents, documents or charter or, you know, it's so, and that's why independent, you know, even, but even that, the word, I'm independent over here. Oh, are you? It's like, well, if there's 20 of you and you're all saying you're independent and you're all dressing the same and acting the same and speaking the same, how independent are you? So is independence even real? And then you get into those, all those very philosophical debates, which I'm not going to get into in, in this episode. At least I'm going to attempt to stay away from it. But it makes me think is when you're Republican, when do you stop being a Republican? Or are you really you? Can you voice an, an independent, indivi indivi individualistic uh, opinion about something? Or are you going to bend that opinion into the Republican narrative because you're part of that group? And so the meme makes a very good point. Uh, just as far, but this, you could do this with anything, though. Um, and, that, and that's my point is you can bash on for, quote unquote free thinkers. Um, because they tend to exhibit non-free thinking behavior, but you can bash on Democrats for not being free thinkers or independent. You can bash, I mean, and that's really what I want from all the leadership. I don't want parties. I want people who have ideas. Um, I understand that uh, tribal power is how humanity works, and that goes from corporations to political parties to families. I mean, uh, if you band together, you obviously have more power than one individual. Um, but in elected office, I feel like it should be a little different. Like one person can have a bunch of power. Uh, I mean, obviously the president right now in our backwards federal government that is not set up the way it should be, he has the power over a massive swath, the executive branch. It shouldn't be that way, but the executive branch runs so much right now of our country, it's ridiculous. So his individualistic uh, decisions could hold a lot of weight, but one member of Congress is a nothing burger. He's a nobody. He's not, he has no coalition. He can't garner the votes. He can have all the opinions he wants. Even he can even craft legislation. No one's going to pass it because no one cares. No, because they're all thinking in this group think mentality, us against them. And once again, this is where this, I just cannot get on board with Democrats and Republicans. I understand. So, and I guess here's the, the tricky part about this, this whole podcast. They have a place as much as I don't want to belong to them. We need them to some degree, but we need them to understand, though, is that they are not actually separate. Uh, 
and that I suppose this gets to the philosophical crux of this and this this podcast as a whole now is we're all human beings. If you want to boil us down to one level below that, we're Americans, I suppose. But that's about as you know, you need to keep that in mind whenever you're making an argument. You can have an argument or idea start in your own head that you feel is pretty independent individualistic and then somehow it bends towards oh i'm in the democrat party so i need to i need to have this you know line up with my tribal members over here but then you should also remember in the back that to steer it back towards well what's what's the american you know uh idea and uh what's the american uh the best what's the american tribe want over my democratic party tribe because in the moment you're trying to win some sort of political debate or get legislation passed but is it i know that's such an impossible task is it for everyone in america 330 plus million americans and you're supposed to make it for everybody i understand that's an impossible task but but that's the way that i want them thinking at least i want them attempting to do the impossible um and then both sides, Democrats and Republicans. Why are why is there not a higher ethic of America first? <laughs> Trump line just slipped out of me. Um, America first, because there should be. It should be for everyone here. Uh, and then if you wanted to have a global, you know, as far as like climate change or something, if you want to even be above and beyond that, if you want to tackle the more impossible task of considering the entire planet with our legislation, then feel free. But at the same time, uh, there should be at least the idea that it is about everyone on the planet. It is about, and if not them, it's about every American, which is a symbolic of everybody on the planet since we're just a nation of, of immigrants and people who flooded here from all over the world um, or were brought here, unfortunately. Um, so <laughs> just, it's, it's an attempt to just to break the group think and to break the tribalism or to at least to recognize that it's possible to see us all as one tribe. Um, and I know that's an impossible task. I know it's just saying it. I get it. It's, I'm, I'm sure people are, would be screaming at me. Uh, or <laughs> I, I suppose that's my utopia. So every, they say every Charlie Kirk's utopia is a, a decent job and a family and God. Uh, that's all you're going to need for your, your, 80 years on this planet, 80 to 100 if you're lucky. That's all you need to be happy and fulfilled, and and that's what we should provide. And then the Democrats feel like, oh, an entirely flat, like <laughs> the Marxist Marxist agenda is entirely flat economic um, environment where everyone is some sort of, I don't know what, they're, I don't know what, I guess I have to read Marx. Uh, I never, yeah, well, there's an admission. I never read Marx. I, I'm just going to look up the Communist Manifesto. I'm just, gonna try to read that um i know it's very short but i mean I don't, what is the ultimate goal there it's like if there's no property and no ownership so i don't even know what the democratic i guess they in the cynical view would be the democrats want this massive federal government that's technocratically running your life uh, maybe there's no corporations but i just don't i don't know how that would work i always feel like uh, the marxist utopia is like all it's just waiting for is the strong man to come along it's like, oh, you've, you've eliminated all of, you know, everyone into my way. And, uh, and this guy shows up with this cheesy grin and a, a gun in his hand with 10 buddies behind him and you're fucked, you know, <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, like I said, I'm sure I'm just a fool. I'm, well, I know I'm a fool, but, um, uh, so what else about Democrats and Republicans? Why? I think I've tried to explain well enough why I don't feel I belong in either party. Um, 
and I'm sure there's Republicans and Democrats, if they ever listen to this, will, will be screaming. It's like, that's not what we are. That's not what we believe, this and that. And you don't have a full understanding. And I'll agree with them. No, I don't. Because uh, I don't understand where you come from. But I pay enough attention to politics to have a pretty good bead on where the parties are in, in general. I just don't know where the individuals in those parties actually stand because they don't demonstrate it. They just go along. I mean, how many, how many votes can we get uh, I mean, whether they did they just pass the infrastructure bill? And actually, this was actually the most bipartisan I think I've remembered. The progressives voted down this infrastructure bill. I think it was six, six progressives. I can't remember their names. It's most of the members of the squad, I believe. I know AOC was one of them. Um, so they voted against this infrastructure bill, mainly on environmental issues. Then you had 13 Republicans vote for it, which got it passed through the House. And I think it's already passed the Senate. Or maybe that was in the, I can't remember which House of of Congress had the quote unquote traitors go against the, go against the bill from the Republican side and the progressive. Obviously it was in the house. They voted it down the progressives. Cause I think all the squad members are house members and I can't remember who voted for it on the Senate. I guess the Democrats also don't need, um, um, any Republicans in the Senate to pass it because they have the 50 votes plus Kamala Harris as the VP because the tiebreaker vote. So either way, I know it passed Congress and, Biden's gonna but it was the most bipartisan bill because you actually had Republicans vote for and they call it bipartisan they was supposed to be the bipartisan um, infrastructure bill but it's really not a lot of Republicans will play and Democrats too let's be fair when a party is in power the other party will play obstructionist and the Republicans seem like they were gonna do that like don't give don't give anything to Biden and it's crazy they were they're making art even even, you know, like I said, he's my conservative source. Ben Shapiro was making the argument that we, that we're, our infrastructure isn't that bad and that we're like, things were okay and nobody cares about roads and bridges or whatever. I'm like, well, I'm sure the roads and bridges are fine in a lot of places, but there's those water pipes in, in what was it? God, I can't think of uh, Michigan, somewhere in Michigan. Anyways, there was like lead water pipes or whatever that people were getting poisoned in that. I can't remember that damn place. Obama went there. He drank from the pipes and said it was okay. And then it wasn't, you know, they were still toxic. Uh, God, what the hell was that play? I swear it was in Michigan. I keep wanting to say Kenosha, Wisconsin, because of the whole stupid Kyle Rittenhouse trial that's going on right now. But anyways, there's these toxic pipes. It was a big deal. I don't know why the mayor and the governor and all these other people weren't indicted on some sort of criminal charge. I think it's criminal. You have a toxic infrastructure, your job as not just the federal government, your state government is supposed to be taking care of that stuff, right? I can't go out in the street and start digging up water pipes that the city owns to, to fix that. Anyways, that's why I before I was for this infrastructure bill because just update things, fix it. I mean, are you telling me this country doesn't have the money? We got the money. Um, just improve things, update things. You know, it's like letting your house sit there and languish. I mean, oh, you got some foundation cracks here and your roof is sagging and, you know, you got a big hole in this wall and these windows are all, you know, cracked here. It's like, oh, well, it's fine. I'm, I'm warm when I start my fire, so nothing must be wrong. It's like, why are you why are you covering up these symptoms? Just, just fix the damn problems. Um, and like I said, there's other things. Like, yeah, I don't care what people say about the, the whole climate change thing. It's like, give us the electric ferries. Finish a damn train, you know, so... You don't have people sitting in traffic for three hours when it should take them an hour to get somewhere. I, I just think some of the stuff, start fixing the damn problems that bother us. I mean, 
And that's the other part. You would win so many votes. If you could somehow guarantee people in Seattle that it's not going to take them two hours to go from Seattle to Tacoma when it used to take like 45 minutes to an hour, I mean, people would love you. They have this stupid train they're building, and I'm hoping it works, but I don't see as many people on it. I don't see how it's going to be much faster than traffic, which I guess isn't the point entirely. I mean, to be faster, but because you're making all these stops, blah, 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 blah. I just... I just want more solutions, more, and and if people go, oh, it's a boondoggle, it's a waste of money. You'll always make more money. <laughs> they love conservatives love to make this argument that that there's some unlimited pie of money out there, and Democrats do the exact opposite when they talk about the billionaires needing to pay more. It's like, oh, you know, they got to pay more because because we can't make any more money. No, you can always make more. The economy is never going away. It's like this. It's infinite. Um, to some degree, and that probably sounds like modern monetary theory to some, I don't, which I have not studied or even read about. But it's like, the, as long as there's new generations and more people working and there's things out there, the money's not going to stop rolling in. Doesn't mean you can spend into infinity, but you could at least fix some of the problems that affect everyday people. <laughs> um, anyways, now see, I couldn't help myself. I started going on a tangent. But anyways, so. It was that was the most bipartisan bill insofar as that you had Republicans vote instead of being obstructionist. They actually voted for this infrastructure bill. I don't think that's going to happen with the the Build Back Better bill. Oh my God, Build Back Better bill. Who? I swear Biden must have come up with Build Back Better on his own, and he goes, "No, that's it." And everyone's like, "Uh, Joe or Biden? I don't know if that's the one you want. I don't know if that's the that's." The, I don't know if that's the slogan we should run with. He's like, do it. Um, anywho. So that's the, I guess I should just wrap it up there. That's 45 minutes of talking about Democrats and Republicans talking about why I don't really feel like I belong. Maybe I sound like, maybe it sounds like I do. Maybe I'm a total dope and I don't know that I'm just uh, some Republican shill that doesn't know it or Democratic communist shill who doesn't know it. I'm sure if anyone listens to this, they'll probably happily let me know in the comments or leaving a zero, zero, leaving just a review without a rating. Um, anyways, yeah. Uh, try to be as independent as possible. And when you find yourself in that group think, when you find yourself in your tribal uh, surroundings, always take that mental step back and, and have a little uh, view the bigger picture of things because uh, tribes come and go, groups change over time, and uh, and I guess so should you. But uh, don't just go along to get along. At least try to take an independent stance when you stance when you can. Uh, well, I hope I did better on this one. Uh, hopefully, at some point soon, we'll have some <laughs> cheesy intro and outro music. Um, something maybe I can work up on GarageBand, but. I guess I vented enough about Republicans and Democrats today. You guys have a good one, and hopefully we'll see you again back here in the closet.